Praise the Lord. One day when I can't do this anymore, amen, and when the Lord tells me it's time to just sit back and I can sit down there with y'all, maybe one day he'll be preaching the walls down. And the Lord tarries. Amen. Just helping y'all's people right along. That's the Lord's will. I believe that. I, I'm telling you, ain't God good? God is so good. Uh, if you stand with me, if you will, for a few moments and we'll read the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. I'm not going to keep you long. As a matter of fact, I believe God has already done so much here. He has already done so much here in, uh, in this time that we've been here. He saved the soul. He's, uh, I believe that he's already answered prayer and healed some lives. Um, we're going to hear of a testimony of that, I believe, in the days to come, how the Lord has moved. My wife told me yesterday, she said, yesterday evening, she said, I hadn't seen you study all day. Normally Saturday, I'm locked up in my room for a, a, a long time. Uh, and yesterday, I, I said, well, I said, I don't know what, I don't know what to, to do. I said, I just really don't know where to go. I said, I prayed, I meditated, I sought the Lord. And, uh, and then when we got up this morning, I had, I didn't tell her, but I was kind of doing some studying last night right before we went to sleep. And she uh, got up this morning, and uh, one of my friend preachers called, and a preacher friend of mine. She said, well, you better ask him what to preach. You know, some of y'all don't know preachers. They get sermons from each other every now and then. They might, be, I'm just, they might build them as God lays it on their heart. But I said, you know, I've already got something. I, and I want to share that something with you this morning. It's not very, very long. But I believe it will go right along with what God's already done in this house today. Second Samuel chapter 9. The word of God said in verse 1, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. And the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame on his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Mekur, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house to Mekur, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? 
And the king called to Zeba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. And you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Zeba said to the king, according to all that my Lord has commanded this, his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. I want to preach from this thought. When the king calls, when the king calls, Father, we love you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for what you've already accomplished in this house. And God, as I share briefly from your word, I pray that your word will have power to go forward and it will accomplish what you send it forth to accomplish. Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And Lord, that you would be glorified through all today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. For many of us that are familiar with this story, it is one of grace. It is one of mercy. It is one where we see compassion moving in a very, very powerful, powerful and dynamic way from a place uh, that we, from a carnal standpoint, would seem uh, that it was uh, almost impossible. Uh, you have to look at the whole story to really understand the power of what is happening here. Last night I, I prayed as I was praying throughout the day seeking the Lord and then all of a sudden God dropped this name in my spirit, Mephibosheth. Look at somebody around you and say, Hey, Mephibosheth. You would ask, why, preacher, would you call yourself and others a Mephibosheth? Well, the answer to that lies within this truth that Mephibosheth is a very type of fallen humanity. We would see that in the life of what happened to him. We see that in correspondence to uh, God and his desire for us versus David and his desire for Mephibosheth. God dropped his name in my spirit, and every time I hear his name, I can't do anything but shout glory unto God because I remember when the king called me. Can somebody say amen? I remember my life, and I remember my need for grace, and I remember my broken situation and how uh, that it was only when I realized uh, that God loved me and I began to respond to his call that I began to see the fullness of his grace unfold within my life. Amen. And so when he dropped Mephibosheth in my spirit, I, I immediately just begin to thank God because it's a story not only, as I shared before you, before uh, of mercy and grace and compassion. It's a story of miraculous proportions in so many ways. It would have uh, had to have been God. Only God could have reached past the mind of a man and touched the heart of a person in such a way that he could find that kind of grace in the midst of it all. We 
we have to go all the way back to Saul and all the way back to the roots of Mephibosheth's family to see uh, the condition that he was in. Now let's do that just simply for a moment because uh, uh, when David in the beginning of this chapter is thinking about blessing somebody, he is uh, uh, thinking about blessing someone of the house of Saul or family uh, uh, that may be somewhere there that he could reach out to uh, of his house. And uh, the thing uh, that we first note about uh, Mephibosheth is he was living uh, uh, as a family member but yet a disgraced family member. You have to remember that Saul once when he come in and began to be king over Israel started out well, but he didn't end so well. He allowed pride to get in his life. He allowed himself to do things that were unpleasing and disobedient unto God, and yet he still wanted God to bless him anyway. Amen. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, so we see that the condition of pride began to work through Saul's life. And uh, in time, uh, through rebellion and disobedience, uh, the kingdom was rent or taken away from Saul uh, in the authenticity of God's favor and God's blessing upon it. Now, he still continued on uh, for a season as king, uh, but he did not have God's favor. How many wants God's favor? in your life today. Amen. I don't want to just be a Christian in name only. I want to have God's favor on my life. I, I don't want to just go to church and act religious and look like I got it all together. I want to have a relationship in which uh, I know that he is my Lord and I am his child and his favor is upon my life. God protect me from pride. Protect me from anything of the enemy that would try to steer my heart and my mind in a direction that would cause me to not have the favor of God upon my life. But yet this is the heritage of Mephibosheth. We look at the, the, the conditions that begin to cause Saul to fall and then cause God's favor to come off of him. And we see that through the course of his service as king, it wasn't a pretty one. It was a disgraceful one. Many were upset. Many were disappointed. And even after his defeat, the word of God declares that there was a, a woman, a servant, who was carrying Mephibosheth, and he was only about five years old. It wasn't his fault. He was being carried, and all of a sudden, he fell, and they, they fell, and he was crippled on both feet, but they were able to make it to a place called Lodibar in the house of Mercure. Now, think about this for a moment. He was coming from a disgraced, disobedient, unfaithful to God family. Everything had turned south. Nothing was going right. People had seen all that Saul had done, the disobedience. They saw 
saw his defeat and when they would see his family because of his disobedience, it became disgraceful to many. So he was living in a disgraced environment down in Lodibar. He was also not only disgraced, he was also doomed. Why was he doomed? Because it was, a, it was noted that in those times that when a new king would come in who was not of the line of the previous king, not of the bloodline, that they would annihilate or wipe out all those who stood to inherit the kingdom. Amen? And so there he was in Lodabar, doomed, because if anybody was to ever find him or the wrong people were, uh, then he was subject to be put to death because he also was in heritage of the line of the throne. So not only was he marked for death, not only was he living in a disgraced environment, hiding down in Lodabar, he was also living destitute in Lodabar. Lodabar simply means no pasture. There was no place there of sustenance in such a way that he lived as the king wanted him to live. I'm, 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 going, I'm going to get somewhere today with all this. Just give me just a minute to lay this out. He was living there in Lodabar, a place of no pasture. But then he goes on to say that he was living in the house of Mercure. The house of Mercure simply means sold. In other words, he was sold out to the enemy to an empty place where there was no sustenance. I come to tell somebody today that the... The reason we are like Mephibosheth is because way back in the Garden of Eden, there was Adam and Eve. We wasn't here yet. So many would argue that it wasn't our fault. Oh, but I want you to understand that sin came in by one man. And as it came in, it began to make its way through the bloodstream of every man, woman, boy, and girl that would be born after that. No, we may not have been there, but when the... The, 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 when the altercation happened in the Garden of Eden, so to speak, we were dropped into the realms of sin. We were crippled. Come on, somebody. No, you weren't there. What your fault? You may say, I didn't do that. Why is God holding it against me? Because Father Abraham, Father Adam, and Father Eve fell. And when they fell, the sin began to work through the bloodline. And the, I come to tell you, look at somebody to say, hey, Mephibosheth, the king is calling. Hey, Mephibosheth, understand something today that we are living without Christ. We are disgraced. Why? Because of sin. We are doomed. Why? Because of sin. We are destitute. Why? Because we're not sitting at the king's table where he's called us to. Can somebody give him glory in this place? You better believe we're just like Mephibosheth. If we're not Christians and we're not accepted Christ and come to the king, that's where we're living. We're living beneath where we ought to be. Oh, we go all the way back in 1 Samuel 18. The Bible begins to declare of a covenant that was made with David and Jonathan. Oh, how exciting that is. Here was Saul trying to uh, fight off the jealousy that he had for David. 
David and Jonathan had fought in battles and won many battles together, build a relationship. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, the Bible said that Saul had decided not to let David go back home, but that he would stay there. But his intent through jealousy was to take him out. He feared the favor of God upon David. He feared the things of David and the favor of God that was working through him. For Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands. He was sitting in the presence of a blessed man. He was sitting in the presence of a man of favor. God had used him to take down a giant. And can you imagine what Saul couldn't do as he trembled on the sidelines? Everyone else began to hear the fame of a little boy by the name of David who had faith enough to stand in the midst of a field and face a giant. Can you imagine how all hearts and eyes begin to turn toward him? And they even wrote a song about him. They, they said, yes, oh, Saul has killed his thousands. Oh, but David killed his ten thousands. And, they, and Saul didn't like it. He became jealous. Oh, but while David was on the battlefield, Saul's son Jonathan began to have a relationship, a friendship with David and began to see the authenticity of what God was doing through his life and the favor of God upon his life. I got news for for you. Don't be discouraged if somebody don't see what God's doing through you. God will send somebody else up in your life that'll let, let them see what God is doing in your life. And Jonathan was a key in what was about to happen in Mephibosheth's life. Because here, as jealousy was raging and, and as David was was kind of caught in the midst of it all, he had uh, Jonathan, who he had built a friendship with, and Jonathan came to him and said, hey, I want you to understand something. My soul is knit with yours. And he took off his robe and he gave it to David. Then he took off his sword and his belt and he gave it to David. Then he gave his bow to David and he made a covenant with him that day. Also after the death of Saul and Jonathan in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we see the power of the covenant and the relationship that David David had with his friend Jonathan. Jonathan was good to him. Jonathan showed favor to him. Jonathan knew that God had his hand on David and David wanted to do everything he could to bless whoever was as the house of Saul for Jonathan's sake. I want to tell you that ain't nothing but the hand of God. That ain't nothing. Look at somebody and shout, thank you, Lord. That ain't nothing but the hand of God. Why is that the hand of God? Because Mephibosheth was the grandson, a man of Saul, and the son of Jonathan. He was hiding out in Lodabar, but because there was a covenant made, he wasn't going to have to stay there forever. I come to tell somebody this morning that there's a way out. There's a way out of your Lodabar. There's a way out of your place of brokenness. There's a way out this morning, a man of sin and death there is a way out today. The king is calling. I'm happy now. 
Might not make some of y'all shout. It makes me want to shout. Yeah. This was a God thing. Because God said, I'm going to put somebody in the midst of all this that's going to break the generational curse. David wasn't just made to be king. He was an intercessor for the sinner. Come on, somebody. He was an intercessor for the broken. He wasn't just designed to rise up and be king and win battles and get fame and fortune. God planted him there on purpose for a great purpose. Oh, Jesus didn't come just to die on a cross and to preach and teach for a few years and to do a few miracles. He came, oh, to be an intercessor. He came to intercede as God sent David and David made a covenant with Jonathan. God sent Jesus to get us out of our sinful loaded bars. In the midst of all this, we begin to see the fullness of what God is saying in this story. David says, is there anybody of the house of Saul I can bless? Mm. Here they were down in Lodabar, destitute, disgraced, and doomed. Living in a place of fear. And then David sends word down to them. You tell Mephibosheth that I need him up here at the king's palace. Could you imagine the fear that maybe was going through his mind and heart? As he began to, they began to make their journey back to the palace. Oh, is the king going to kill me? Is the king... Well, rightfully, according to tradition, that was what would happen. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We without God are destined for death as well and hell for all eternity. On his way there, not knowing what the king was going to do, and yet when he came into the palace, the word said he fell prostrate before David. And David had intentions of grace and intentions, amen, to God of compassion and restoration unto him to bring him out of that sinful place of brokenness back into the place of the palace and give him the provisions of his father and restore unto him, amen, some, some dignity and grace amen and love and and that his needs would be met preacher you you really 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 got to look at this to understand fully what he is doing here he is doing the same thing that Christ was sent to do for us you don't have to clap just don't clap just let it get in your spirit though 
I don't care if you don't clap, say amen, the rest of the service. Don't that ain't gonna stop me from preaching. This is powerful stuff here if you let it get in your heart. He fell prostrate expecting that the king was going to sentence him to death or whatever the case may be, but he began to plead for mercy. Here I am, oh David. But David didn't bring him out of there. He began to condemn him. Oh, glory to God. For there is now therefore no more condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. He didn't bring him up there to condemn him. He brought him up there to free him from the prison of fear and sin and degradation and bring restoration to his life. You really want to know why we preach this gospel so hard? Because there's many living in loaded bars still that need to come out and the king is calling you he didn't come to condemn you he didn't come to, to judge you amen to God but judgment's coming but David showed him favor and grace he that cometh to God hallelujah must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of him who diligently seek him if you come to him he'll in no wise cast you out David wasn't looking to cast Mephibosheth out he was looking to bless him because of the covenant he had with Jonathan. Let me tell somebody today, the blood covenant that happened on the cross was enough, hallelujah, to bring peace to all those who had fallen under the category of sin. Hallelujah. I can see Mephibosheth now. I said it wasn't going to be long. Give me about five more minutes. I can see Mephibosheth now laying prostrate. Hearing the words of David. Oh, he was afraid. Oh, have mercy. Here's your servant. Oh, but then David, David begins to speak words of grace. And all of a sudden, just I could just see Mephibosheth just kind of looking around, kind of wondering what's happening here. What's happening here? Amen. As David just begins to, to speak words of grace to him, and his heart just begins to melt. Here I was, facing doom and death. Here I was, hallelujah, living in fear in Lodabar. I'm at the king's palace now, and there's hope that is springing up out of my heart from the words of the one who has the power to turn it all around in my life. There is words of hope. I wish that every sermon you ever heard preached, you could do like Mephibosheth and say, hey, of all the enemy has tried to make me feel, I hear words of hope. I hear words of rest. Restoration. I hear words of glory that is going to restore me. I wish somebody would shout yes. And he gets up and he finds the grace of God through it all. Stand with me, if you will, please. 
three things that we see in closing. Every one of us was like Mephibosheth. But thank God we had a king. And we have a king who came as a lamb. And because of his bloodshed, he made a covenant with God and man that whoever would receive what he did on the cross of Calvary in their life, they wouldn't have to die. They wouldn't have to go to hell, but they could live eternally in heaven with the king. Three things I want to share. God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. David, he called, he called for anybody of the house of Saul that he could show favor. The word of God says, in Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to what I'm saying. David called out to him. God's calling out to us today. Maybe there's some watching by social media. God's calling out to you today. Maybe there's some in this building right now. God's calling out to you. Maybe you, maybe you, just thought, my goodness, I've caught up in, in, in all the hustle and bustle of life and you just forgot who you were. God said, I want to bring you back. He has not forgotten. Number two, he's called after you. Number three, a king has called you to save you. So preacher, I've been saved. Maybe you are saved today, but you're fighting a battle. And you need the king to intervene in that battle. Because salvation comes not only in one moment, but it comes in its entirety along the journey. It comes through regeneration, our being born again, but then it continues in points of our journey where God is still moving, where the Lord is still intervening. The king is calling. Don't you let the devil back you down in a load of bar, in McCure, and imprison you in the basket. I was thinking yesterday, they, 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 they made an announcement, said Russian forces had, had captured a mayor, and, and the president of Ukraine is petitioning all those that he can to help said they want they want him free. They want him free. And and there's there's a way somehow I don't know how that way is. There's a way to get that man free. Well, I, I got news for you today. The devil has imprisoned some Christians in loader bars. You forgot where you belong. But there's a God who can set you free and restore you. 
back to his palace. Amen. Living in the grace that he's called you to live. I want to ask you this morning, is there anyone else under the sound of my voice? Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. No one looking around. Who would say, preacher, I'm right where Mephibosheth was at. Only the only thing that I have not done is I have not responded to the call of the king. I want you to be honest with yourself. And I don't want you to worry about what anybody else thinks. Because it don't matter. This ain't between you and anybody else and God. It's between you and God. You are down in Lodabar and the king is calling. Don't you let anybody convince you, any the, the devil or anybody convince you of anything else other than responding to the call. You would say, preacher, I, I, I'm tired of living right here. I, I know where I belong, but I'm tired of living here. I'm tired of the disgrace that I feel, the, 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 the failure I feel in my heart. I, I'm tired of feeling the conviction of doom and, and no hope and hopelessness. And, and I, I, I just want to, to see the grace of God moved in my life. I can't stay here in Lodabar anymore. And I hear the king calling me. So I'm getting up from this place and I'm making me a step. Hallelujah to God toward him. And I know today that you need to hear this, that God did not call you to hear this message and then let it pass by your ears. God's calling somebody to hear this message and respond today. We're so close to the coming of the Lord. Don't let the trumpet sound while you're stuck in Lodipal. Come out. Come out. Come out. You don't belong there. You're a king's kid. The blood covenant of Christ will set you free of the, of the very, very brokenness of sin in your life. Oh, Lord, he's calling. Preach, I ain't staying here. I'm coming. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one look around. I'm coming. I'm coming right now. I, I, I can't wait. I'm not going to pause for a minute. You don't need to give the devil time to hold you up. If you feel the Lord speaking to your heart, come. One has already come this morning. Will there be another? I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm not staying here in this loaded bar. I'm coming. One, two, three. Step on out. I'm not going to prolong this. Just say, preacher, I. I got some things I need some victory over in my life. I've got some things I need God to do in my life. Well, whatever that need is, these altars are open. I don't care what it is, spiritual, physical. I want you to understand the king is calling. And when the king calls, you better believe he has the power to meet your every need. Just like David met the needs of Mephibosheth, I don't want you to have the mindset of thinking, well, I don't deserve it. 
it. Oh, he, he's going to punish me. He's going to destroy me because I don't deserve. No, no, no. God is calling you to bless you just like David did. He's calling you to bless you. He's calling you to heal you. He's calling you to save you. He's calling you to make a way for you. He is calling you today. Fathers, these have come. Maybe others, Lord, that are holding on. God, to the very place where they're at and not letting the, their faith rise up within them to make that act of faith, that step out of faith right now. But God, I believe that you're going to touch those who are obedient. It's not about me trying to get you to walk up here to an altar. It's about obedience unto God. It's about knowing that if you'll obey the Lord and trust Him, He'll work it out. Father, I thank you, Lord, for those who have put their faith and trust in you today. Thank you for the soul that has come home and the angels that are rejoicing and I thank you, Lord, for these that have come saying, Lord, I hear you calling. I'm coming to kneel before you, for I know you have favor that you're ready to, to pour upon my life. God, I ask you, Lord, to help us to be, Father, mindful of that wonderful grace. We won't allow ourselves to be ungrateful and insensitive to what you've done. But Lord, we will in obedience and faith follow you as we make our journey in the name of the Lord.